your one-stop shop for all things paranormal. You're back again with me, Colin. And John. And John. With his sniffly, bloody nose. Blame the kids. No, I They're blame you. They're full of tools and they'll give it to me. I'm blaming you because you've came up here with it. I'm going to give it to you, okay? You can give it. Nope, you're getting it by the end of the week. So we're on the 18th day now, sitting recording while watching the World Cup final. I'm not a fan. France versus Argentina. It hasn't even kicked off yet. I'm on Argentina win. Obviously, I'm English. By the way, French, I have to let you know. If you do listen to it, turn off now. Just not a fan of yours. Not a fan these days. All right, come back in six months' time. <laughs> Only joking. Maybe not. But anyway. Just a little bit. Just a little so, we're back on what 18th day. We're getting closer and closer to Christmas. Next Saturday, I believe, is the 24th. Yeah. Um, so, just on that week. Still too long. Just on that week. I heard something on radio today, right? Did you read? Yeah. I heard it today and I thought, oh, I've got to speak about this in the podcast. There's families out there that do um, rehearsal dinners for Christmas Day. I would love to be one of them families, like part of that family who's doing a rehearsal Christmas dinner before Christmas Day. You're getting two Christmas damn dinners. The reason they're doing a rehearsal, though, is because of the final. It's going to end in air tears, isn't it? There's going to be fights. Well, that's it. You can rehearse it, but what you can't rehearse is all emotion and the alcohol and then the arguments and... Someone brings something to happen during the year up and they say, I remember when you done this and you, you, I'd never forgive you for it, but I still love you, your family. And then that ends up in a big argument. And Christmas Day is shattered within five minutes on the night time. Due to adults being adults. But rehearsing Christmas dinners is just, to me, it's something I've never thought of. It's something I wouldn't want to do, but I'd love to be part of a family that do do that. Because then you do get the have another Christmas dinner. I'd say I couldn't be arsed with all the cooking. Well, no, I wouldn't want to do that, but I'd, I'd turn up. I'd turn up for the food. I'd turn up for the food. I'd sit where the toilet was sit, you know. I mean, what you're rehearsing, how to cook, where people sit. Probably the conversations, right? You're going to talk about this today. He has your scripts. Everyone knows what they've got to say and do on the Christmas day. And I want it to be the best performance we've ever had. Yeah, that's an but we're back with another spooky tale. And this tale entails... Wow. <laughs> this Too many tales tale on has something to do with animals. animals. I don't think we've had animals. Apart from a headless dog, which we didn't know how we appeared. The cat. The cat? Yeah. Oh, yes, the general manager cat. Yeah. I don't know that. We've had two animals. I don't know and how they... I mentioned why is it always black cats and... Yeah, Black cats. So I don't actually think you mentioned that in that episode. I think you mentioned it in the first episode, which ended up deleted by mistake. And everyone heard the second one. So we'll mention cats in the second one, but not black. Yeah. But you're right. It's always black cats. I've got bad rap. I've got two. Trust us, the evil. Evil Especially Taz. Taz. Look, he's not far behind. Fluffy is definitely, definitely not far behind. I mean, my legs have been savage over the past couple of weeks. Well, yeah. I mean, you've been coming for two weeks doing this podcast, and um, you've been getting scratched for help. Yeah. Which is quite great. And you're actually going to finish the Christmas countdown, will You're going to get to say Merry Christmas to all the Well, I was going to say, I'm not sacked now, so... Well, I was going to sack you, but I get bored talking to myself. 
What? You do it all day, every day? That's why I get bored. <laughs> I've already run out of conversation by the time it comes to the podcast. So imagine that, sitting there. So Colin, did you hear about how the rehearsed dinners on the radio today would get because I was in the car with you, you fucking idiot? That conversation's dead there, man. Yeah, it is, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. If you can hear a bark, it's just a little dog that I'm looking after. I think it's going to try and... One of the cats is growing as well. Yeah, I think it's it's going to sort out one of the cats and one of the cats are going to sort it out. Just my attitude is, get on. But this is about animals, this story, and it's dead animals that were found in the wall. Creepy bastards. Yeah, very creepy. When the Beatrice family decided to insulate their home in Auburn, Pennsylvania in 2015, they discovered it had already been with scores of dead animal carcasses. As Fox reported, the dead animals were wrapped in newspaper from the 1930s and 40s and were among half-used species and other items. After removing the items, they sent hundreds of artifacts and carcasses to an expert in Kudstown. The expert attributed the rotten animals in their walls to powwow or Dutch magic, a ritual originating in the culture of the Pennsylvania Dutch to treat ailments and gain physical and spiritual protection. The Pennsylvania Dutch were a group of German-speaking settlers to Pennsylvania in the 16 and 1700s and are often of Mennonite or Amish faiths. The Washington Post notes on the magic, many of the spells deal with the care of livestock, finding water or the treatment of minor ailments, reflecting the conditions and concerns of the early American settlers. But powwow also has within its tradition of darker spells, and even of such things as conjuring demons. One notable ritual in their tradition is this hex to create loyalty in a dog. To attach a dog to a person, provided nothing else was used before to affect it, try to draw some of your own blood and let the dog eat it along with his food, and he will always stay with you. The mould found on the rotten corpses in the Beatrice's home has caused illness among the family members, and they say that the odour hasn't gone away. So they say the odour hasn't gone away, so does that mean there was an odour prior to... The odour would have came from the rotten meat. Yeah, of course it would have come from the rotten meat, and but would it, it come... soaked into the walls. Mm. They should have been able to smell that prior. Like, when you walked into the house and you were originally buying the house, wouldn't you... Like, sniffed up, went, what's that smell? I mean, it might have just been that the house has been empty for years before. So they probably thought, oh, well, it's just damp, it'll dry out. Uh, it doesn't tell you how long they had been moved in, like, but... But the rituals of gain a dog's loyalty, I right. mean, if it was that easy to gain dog's loyalty, why aren't we doing that now? Because all you have to do is give it some ham and the dog loves you forever. Precisely, you feed it, you why? Get water. Why get a needle, draw your own blood, put it in his food to get it to love you for the rest of your life when you can get a pack of ham, open it up, there you go, Fido. And Fido's like wagging his tail next to you every time thinking he's going to get ham. You look after a dog, the dog looks after you. But it does say it was Minamite and Amish faiths, obviously the Dutch versions of them. Um, so, I'm not a one for beating up faiths, but that's a bit like, 
out there. I mean, putting dead animals in walls and I mean, sacrificing what, them. What was that achievable for? Well, spell-wise, isn't it? That's, as it says, like, some of them were used to draw demons. Some of them were used um, for health and for the physical and spiritual protection of it. You put something in a wall and let it rot. It's not going to help your health now, is it? No, it's not. But bear in mind, back in the 1600s, 1700s, I don't imagine a house smelled like roses. I imagine it stung anyway. So Not for the smells, just health reasons? Well, health reasons, yeah. But if you think, it's something you would strive for, isn't it, the health? Because your health it's is that... It's meeting, is it? Yeah, but your health's that bad, and everyone's pretty much bad health back then because medical experts... I mean, you had a stomach ache, you'd chop your arm off, you know. Um, and if you think, right, th- this is where they're quite smart. If you go back to, like, medieval times, some of the remedies there was to eat a bowl of worms, you know, for stomach acid or something like that. To stick a dead animal in your walls is a lot easier than eating a bowl full of worms. I wouldn't do either. Well, I wouldn't do either, but where look, you've got penicillin these days. But, you know, if Say someone that. sat there and says to me, right, you need penicillin, but there's no such thing. And I give you a bowl of worms and say, right, that's going to sort out your infection. Or you stick a deed animal in your wall, seal it up, and and that's going to cure your infection. That ain't going to cure infection. That's just going to kill you. I'm going to go with the deed animal. I'm not eating them worms. As long as I don't have to kill the animal, and the animal's already deed. You'd like to kill an animal. Oh, God, no. I couldn't. I couldn't touch one. Poor animal. Why would it still stink? I mean, the blood and everything into the wood and the walls and then yeah but it's gonna fester there for a long time yeah but you're talking 1930s 1940s down corpuses are definitely decomposed now yeah but the residual on the on everything that's seeped into the walls it it it's a different way it's different to having it just airing out outside it cannot soak in anything well it is i suppose the we had this conversation yesterday to build them out of wood, don't we? So yeah, soaks into the wood. The wood then stinks for high heavens forever, ever. But this is what I don't understand, though. Like when they moved into the home, they obviously couldn't smell it. Yeah, they've knocked down the walls. The animals are gone now. They can smell it, right? Because the walls were sealing. Because yeah, the but they wanted it insulated, so they would have took the animals out, given them up to wherever to give them, put insulin in, insulation in. Sorry. Insulin. Insulin, yeah. They might the be diabetic. diabetic. They might be diabetic and they put a bit of insula- insulin. They put insulation in. Insulation. Yes. And they cover it up, then that should, in all hindsight, recover the smell. It should do, but then you've got the placebo effect. The brain knows it's there. Well, yeah, it's probably imagining so the smell. They're just imagining that smell still being there. Like, I walked into someone's house, uh, so I know what you're saying now, because I walked into someone's house, and that was smelled like a hoose to me. Yeah. Just going to the toilet and that. And um, the one point, I turn around and I says, oh, if you smell something dodgy upstairs, it's because we've got rat traps and rat poison up there, and there'll be dead rats under the floorboards. Yeah. And it wasn't until I said that, that smelled like rotten flesh. And I'm thinking, well, I've never smelled this all night, and now I can smell you. But it's like you say, if you know it's there, you can smell it. So... Wait, it was a conversation that me and my last had actually last night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I got back in, she says, oh, one of the beds is waiting on our bed for you to take him up because he had a cough. <coughs> she gave him medicine. Mm-hmm. Now, 
she gave him the medicine, and within seconds he starts being his normal self. Right. He's running about, he's trying to play, he's trying to do all this. I say this well, because he knows he's had that medicine, he knows the medicine's going to make him feel better. Instantly he's got that effect in his head saying, you're all right now. Mm. We, our story, which um, we'll finish off the podcast with us, it's quite a sad story actually, and I've probably told you a few times. So this whole placebo effect that you were talking about, two men went to the hospital, or doctors, sorry, for the same conditions. Um, and the doctor had taught both men, obviously separately, that you're going to get looked at for cancer. Both men went back, and the first guy that walked in basically told the doctor, like, right, what's wrong? And the doctor says, you got cancer, you've got X amount of time to live. The other guy came in, um, and he got told of the doctor, you're cancer-free. There's nothing wrong with you. Just yeah. take this tablet, you'll be all right. The, the guy who got told he had cancer went away. He marked out how much time he had marked out and calmed out. Probably be dead by this day. I want to make sure I live my life by this day. Yeah. Um, sure enough, by that day, he passed away. Died quite rapidly. Um, and the other guy took his medication, cleared up, got better, moved on. Went. It was just a normal situation. Yeah. Until the doctor called the guy who died, called the family of the guy who died with cancer. And turn around and says, I'm sorry I mixed his results up. He didn't have cancer. He had whatever the condition was. Called the guy who had cancer, told him he had cancer, that he had mixed it up and I should have been receiving treatment and he couldn't understand how he was still alive. And a month later, the guy was dead. Yeah, I've heard that one before. Now, I've always been a believer that people who have cancer, yes, you go downhill and you really suffer and heart goes out to them. But I'm a believer that if you're told of a doctor, you've got it and you've got a period of time or likely period of time, you tend to give up mentally and your body just collapses. Yeah. And it goes very rapidly. I think if you would never find out you had it, you'd probably live a lot longer. Oh, yeah, massively. I mean, I've always said I never want to find out if I've got cancer or not. Yeah, because it's a natural reaction. I'm going to die. What's the point? You give up as simple as that. Yes, there is treatment out there. It might prolong your life. But no, I'd rather not know. Wait, I've got a, a family member. Um, it was down Coventry, I believe. He's had cancer for over 12 years now. And he's been told he's, he was going to die. And he's adamant he will not die until the cancer's ready to take him. Um, and he's been on death's bed numerous of times. I mean, numerous. And uh, they can't give him any more treatment. They've told him the last treatment he had for it is the last. He is going to die with it. And this cancer... 12 years later, he's still going with it. But that's the thing. The doctors turn around and tell you they won't do anything further. Mm-hmm. You're then sat there going, well, why do I pay my taxes? Why do I pay so much in tax? I suppose in the doctor's head is that if you're going to die of it, and they give you a tablet which is costing £100 a per, per prescription, couldn't that £100 be spent better elsewhere? Well, no, because we've been told not for you. camera. The cat, the camera. The... We've been told that they've got a cure for cancer. Well, yeah, I've, I've read that. But, um, but it still hasn't been ruled out. Well, because cause it's so expensive. It's so expensive. But is that value more valuable than well, a person's life? I think to like say it was one your family or my family, no. You, you're obviously going to stand there every day of the week and you say, no, my, my family member is worth more than any £100 that's going to cost them more. Oh, yeah. I'll pay it myself. If you had the money. Um, 
But I suppose if you went round a, a bunch of people and turned around and says, look, people who are dying of cancer is costing £100. The GPs and your NHS are already really, really struggling and etc, etc. Et Should we continue to give them this medication or do we withdraw it and use it in better areas? 90% of the people, if they haven't got people who are suffering with, with cancer at the time, are going to say just, well, if they die, then what's the point of giving them medication? It's sad and it's horrible and it's a it's I don't it's just a horrible situation really. Oh yeah, but again, I wouldn't want to know. I don't think no. any of my family would uh, want to know. Well, I have been I have said from day one if I found I had cancer and it was like a high percentage I was going to pass away and I could have treatment to try and survive, I would choose to have no treatment. I'd I'll, accept I'm my fate. Same. I'd accept my fate. I've got a philosophy. When it's your time, it's your time. Yeah. Yeah, I would accept my fate. If it was, say, like a 20% chance of death, I'd go for treatment. I'd be like, right, that's really good odds. But if it was like 80% or 60%, I'd be like, no, there's no point. I've had a good life to what I've lived, you know. Say bye to people and prepare for the end. But we're left on a sad note there. <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> we are Spook Squad. We're not the Happy Squad. As you can probably tell, we were with our personas. Um, if you would like to leave a message or join us and know what thing, what's going on, if you jump over to our website, which is spook-squad.com, you'll find our blog posts. Um, you'll find our comment section. You can find all episodes on there. Or you can jump over to our Facebook group, which gets regular updates of episodes coming out, and that's l.cparanormal. Um, we're also on Instagram, which is, again, that's Spook Squad NA. Um, and join us there. If not, we'd like to say thank you so much for joining us. Take care, stay safe, and don't let the spooks scare you. Goodbye. Bye.